everybody welcome back to marine corps movie minute where we're breaking down movies of the marine corps one minute at a time right now we're at the magical number 65 of heartbreak ridge with me tonight are my friends brian lockhart and our special guest Hey everybody, this is Brad Mendenhall from the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. Real excited. Another great minute. I'm excited. This is this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Glad you're enjoying yourself. So um this minute right here continues our conversation uh with between Gunny and uh, Sergeant Major Chuzu at the bar, uh where he kind of breaks down what O one and one means. And the minute ends with the Marines of Recon scrambling to make sure that they have all their required gear because uh well i guess we'll discuss why why they need all their required gear it's just so fun watching this interaction um just a lot of neat little things uh the conversation between highway and chuzu and we talked a lot about it yesterday but you almost see like the relief on chuzu's face because he doesn't talk to anybody like he talks to gunny because everyone else i think he's he's playing them he's telling them what they need to hear and moving them in the right direction he sort of strikes me as the guy in the back of the room who knows just what to say and when to say it to get the people to dance the way he wants them to dance and there's this nice comfort level between him and highway yeah i think these two have a shorthand that they understand and besides Outside of Tom Highway in their in one in their history, he's pretty much all the other enlisted's boss. I mean, his his relationship with those Marines that he might deal with on a day to day basis is probably going to be a little bit different than than the shared history that him and and Highway have. Uh, you know, going back as far as they had, even though yeah, technically he is his boss because <laughs> he is. They've known each other. What they know transcends that. Yeah, I, I mean, they're like we've talked about their conversation picks up from last minute, but it's just, it's just two old buddies having a beer and shooting a shit. And he knows, you know, he shows up because he knows something's wrong with his friend and he's there to kind of make sure he doesn't get himself in any trouble. <laughs> yeah. Poor Chuzu doesn't even get to finish his beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I wonder if the reason he's telling the story of the old one one is you know, partly because he knows they had an issue with major powers earlier that day. And I'm really not sure exactly what he hopes to get from this conversation, but just the fact that he's kind of bringing up that I know <laughs> that major <laughs> powers is an asshole and he's actually an asshole to me as well. So don't take it personal, maybe. Yeah. So he, you know, he brought up the one and one long before Gunny was there. I mean, based on, the way this story is being presented, we have to assume, maybe we're assuming incorrectly, maybe he told them this story once Gunny arrived and they knows their history and he's just finding another way to shit on Gunny Highway. Yeah. But my, my guess, based on the way context clues, this is something that happened before, you know, Gunny showed back up. And he's just highlighting that, look, I got to, I've been dealing with this jerk for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> But it's something that does relate to both of them because they both fought in the same wars. You know, oh, one and one. Let's, let, I, I kind of had a few thoughts on what, what he means by that. So zero wins. You know, always zero, no wins. Yep. I mean, he even says that. One tie, Korea, and one loss, Vietnam. Yep. And again, I did always question why he was, we talked about last minute, like why would he say this to Sergeant Major Chuzu, but if we've established he's, Trying to basically mark his territory, I guess. 
And he's also just trying to maybe keep put him in his place. But it, it, honestly, he's just kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I question the O one and one a little bit, and I don't want to get into a big like <laughs> geopolitical military debate about what that means. But right, yeah, it's sensitive territory, right? Oh, super. Let's take the, the let's take the easy one first. One tie Korea. I would argue that that is a hundred percent correct. I don't think anybody would even argue that. I think it's pretty much the general consensus. I mean, to this day, they drew the 38th parallel, you know, lines, everything. When that Korean conflict kicked off, when the ceasefire happened, everything went back to exactly the way it was before the conflict and before all the fighting. And I believe to this day, we are still technically at a state of war with them. We're just in a ceasefire. Yes, we are. Well, uh, that may have changed recently with with North Korea. Yeah, I don't think we're, I don't think war was ever declared officially but i think we are at a ceasefire it was a, it was it was a the term uh, police action yeah it was a nato action yeah uh, spearheaded by the u.s and was not vetoed because uh at the time russia had boycotted the i'm sorry i said nato but i meant u.n russia had boycotted the u.n which they weren't there to then stop the u.n from committing to this was a u.n action but it was predominantly driven by the u.s with uh, you know South Korean help, and I'm sure other UN and NATO factions, you know, uh, not factions, but countries were involved. But again, this was spearheaded by the U.S. Uh, so yeah, you're right. No, no real declaration of war, but we, we never officially ended, other than a ceasefire, technically conflict with them. So yeah, that I mean that's obvious. It's a tie. Everything's basically the way it was before the war started. Yeah. And then, you know, you could, we've talked about the whole Frozen Chosen and, well, Heartbreak Ridge a little bit and, and what kind of some of that entailed. It wasn't the North Koreans that pushed the, the Marines back, that's for sure. It was like a billion Chinese coming yeah. across the border. <laughs> <laughs> Western movies where all of a sudden the horizon just, all of a sudden there's like all a bunch of, like, was it the old Western movies where the, the Indians come over the, the, the top, all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um. Time to fall back. And and I'll just, I'll gloss over the whole Vietnam being a, a, a loss, because even as Gunny says, well, we won the battles, but we lost the war. And I think he yeah. almost says it as a question mark, because, I mean, you could argue left and right that we militarily, we won the battles. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. you look, I mean, now granted the casualty counts were fudged, and that was one of the, I mean, there's no arguing that the way Vietnam was handled is, was not probably the best way to handle a, 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 a pursue a war or, you know, like whatever, whatever the strategies could have been, could, should could have, and should have been different. But that's me being not a politician, not a military genius. And like what, 50 years later, <laughs> yeah. so what, what the fuck do I know? So <laughs> I'm, I'm a guy with a podcast. So, but I'm just saying like, but no, was, with, with Vietnam, it was, yeah, it, it was, I, this sounds so uh, unappealing to say, but it was like really bad marketing. Like the, the nation wasn't in the right mental place for that conflict. Um, you had a counterculture movement that didn't believe in the war that was really against it. And uh, you didn't have like real, and it's also, and sadly, 
often for Americans, like the general public, to really support a war, they need to have that very distinct thing to grasp onto. And the politics were complicated and confusing with that. Yeah. So it wasn't like World War II where, yeah. yeah. Uh, And even the the Iraqi conflicts where, you know, Jesus Christ, after 9-11, there was something very easy. Obviously, they made it very easy to grasp onto that. It's like, why are we doing this? So while you had some anti-war sentiments, especially years afterwards, where, again, politics gets more complicated, um, Vietnam it was tough to find that. But it should never, and unfortunately, it did take away from what our soldiers were doing. And, you know, I, I had the generation before me uh, in my family, people who served in, in Vietnam. And, yeah, it's regardless of your feelings about whether we should have been at war or anything like that, uh, people in my family were getting shot at and, you know, yeah, it wasn't their fault. (laughs) Yeah. You know, God forbid the people who were making the decisions had nothing, were not the ones in that situation. So you could have disagree with the reasons for being there or the politics of it. But it's like, but the problem was what happened, uh, the way people viewed the people who actually were in the shit. And we should never lose respect for the people that are in this shit. Yeah, it's not, it's not, they didn't ask to go, <laughs> especially back then when there was, the, you know, a draft. Uh, there, yeah, so there was volunteers, but nobody asked to go, <laughs> you know. And, and it's, um, if I'm not mistaken, and of course now I'm getting more into the woods, but I, the, the war initially had was not popular, but it didn't have the quite the anti-war fever that happened as it dragged on, and that's part of the problem with having really no clear definition of what victory is, <laughs> and it just keeps dragging on, and we just keep sending people over there. And and like you said, that's actually an excellent point. It was like the counterculture uh, was. It's. It wasn't World War II. It wasn't the days of somebody attacked us. We are going to sign up and go back because that's what happened after nine eleven too. A lot mm-hmm. of people volunteered and joined this service because we were attacked. We, you know, there was a lot of patriotism by that point. Yeah, the, the, a lot of the, the I wouldn't say demographics, but the political leanings shift. You know, were shifting, and and people just were not. They couldn't see what the point was. Now, looking back at it, I, I can understand what the strategy was. You got to stop communism. <laughs> Any, yeah. I mean, the, the, the goal, you know, because especially too, people look at, at it now and they weren't looking at what was going on in the midst of the Cold War. And, and you have to, you know, the, the idea, both in Korea and Vietnam, was you have to stop communism anywhere and everywhere that it pops up, because if it pops up one place, it's going to domino effect to everywhere else. Whether or not that's right or wrong, that's neither here nor there. That was the action, the, the belief, and that was you know where some of these strategies were coming from. Now, I made a joke about the Chinese coming over the border in North um, in North Korea. That's a lot of the reasons why they handled the war the way they did in in North in Vietnam is because they were worried about the Chinese involving themselves. I took a, I took a history class specifically on Vietnam and it was fascinating. And I found one of the, I wish I had the book in front of me because it was like the most dumbed down, like easy read explanation of 
what went on. Like, I, I'm like, I don't know why they just don't give it to every high school kid to read. Cause it's like, it's not that long and it really gets you into the history of Vietnam, the history of how Vietnam and China really don't like each other. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's, it's really, I mean, and, and, and honestly, they may not even have helped <laughs> the North Vietnamese, you know, it, it was just, but, but they were worried about China getting, getting dragged into this war. And I'm mean, sure that, you know, Chinese and Soviets were probably uh, providing assistance and, and all that. But as far as physically them entering the war with their, their people, they, they were trying to avoid that. But anyways, the Tet Offensive was was often seen as a loss for the U.S., but we we utterly destroyed the Viet Cong during that military action. So this is another thing where it's like, well, they won the battle, but they lost the war as far as either per, per, uh, perception and or, and that, you know, what, what ended up happening is once we pulled out, South, South Vietnam fell. So you could look at that as a loss, be, you know, because... You know, most people would, I would say the conventional wisdom, and I'm slightly arguing against conventional wisdom is that, you know, Vietnam was totally a loss, shouldn't have been there. I can see the, the under, I can see the reasonings of why they were there. I can't, I can also see why they probably should have done things differently, (laughs) but I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But once we put, like we did, like the U S did their, their job while we were there. Communism did not spread. <laughs> yeah. Months after we left, it went to all of Southeast, uh, all of Southeast Asia. So you know what they thought was going to happen actually did happen. So uh, I guess I guess for the purposes of this movie, you know, before I before I dig myself too dig into a hole and I, and I <laughs> show my ass to the you know general public. Too late. Uh, right. I'm I'm going to bail. But I will say for the purposes of this movie. Vietnam being a loss needs to happen, you know, and, and I'm going to argue about a win <laughs> here in a second, as far as, again, the oh one 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 it's setting up the fact that, at, you know, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, they get a win, you know, Gunny gets his win before he retires. But previously we talked about Chuzu when he introduces major powers, when he introduces Gunny Highway to major powers, he talks he gives he gives uh he's his hype he's gunny highway's hype man he goes down his list of all of his actions he's been in and one of them was dominican 65 and at the time perry and i looked at, looked that up where I, I didn't know what that was and there was some military action marines and airborne they went into dominican republic in 65 to basically install a provisional government i mean uh, like a either reinstall or there was political turmoil johnson sent in the marines and the, and the airborne to yeah to get things back, you know, on track. All right. So that was called Operation Power Pack. And actually Operation Power Pack is, it wasn't just the Marines. They sent in a bunch of teenage or little kids superheroes that didn't, their parents didn't know they were superheroes and they went in to help. No, nobody. Okay. Um, <laughs> what the hey, fuck are you doing? Man, this, this bourbon's really good. What? <laughs> hey. Look, man, they all can't be winners, all right? <laughs> it's Operation Power Pack was the name of that thing. Basically, long story Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah. Power Ranger and just... No, no, Power Pack, uh, Wheezy Simonson yeah. wrote it. <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank you. What's, thank you for The Power Kids. It was a comic book from the 80s. Yeah. What? Yeah. You didn't know that? 
No. Man. Uh, Reed and Sue Richards' son uh, joined them for a little while. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Fucking comic book bullshit. Coming from a pretty big comic book fan, but I never was a big uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah, you said Reed and Sue Richards. I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I say never mind my joke. I'll get back to some serious stuff. Um, no, man, no, sorry, Billy, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> it was a failed. Hey, I'm really showing my ass tonight. Not only is my, my jokes bombing, but I'm also you know talking politics like like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just go back to doing my Sam Kinison impression. And that's what I'm I was. Well, that's a popular opinion of what went on there, but I was there. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, I love the Power Pack comic book. It was written by uh, Louise Simonson. Her husband, Walt Simonson, who was a big uh, deal writer and artist for Thor, has actually been on the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 very nice guy who actually got to be uh, like an extra on the, uh, the, the, the first Thor movie. Yes. Um, to like give an idea of how influential he was on that character. So yeah, I, I I remember that well. I was just I wasn't ready for it. I was I'm too deep into my uh, sea glass Pinot Grigio. So you, now you're being too nice. <laughs> 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 well, I where I was attempting to go with this poorly was that that I guess the Marines did their job, what they set out to do there. So maybe that could have been a win, but nobody nobody remembers the Dominican military intervention of uh, you know sixty five because we had something called Vietnam going on back then that was a little more important. Anyways, um, let's tap out. <laughs> uncle, 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 <laughs> uncle. Well, I do like that. Um, Gunny said, "Well, I'm not going to lose the next one because my men aren't ready." Uh, the, the, I did put in my notes for for that though is. Uh, really, Gunny? They're your men? Because I'm pretty sure Major Powers told you that they're like the 8th Marines men, which means they're his men, you know? <laughs> you egotistical son of a bitch. Well, and <laughs> that's so funny because it's just, he had a point. It's like, no, these are Marines. These are soldiers. But then he has to, it's like, but they're my men. It's like, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Well, but uh, like we, we spec when, when, uh, when Powers said that, though, we were kind of joking. We're like, well, if you follow his logic, though, because he goes down, he goes from like division to you know battalion to division, whatever. Or I, I always mess up where it goes where. I'm really showing my ass. But <laughs> if you follow that logic, though, then gun they're still Gunny's men because you know Major Powers is, is reports to somebody, so they're not like the buck doesn't stop with him basically. <laughs> so they are Gunny's men. Yeah, <laughs> but but again, we mentioned last minute that that's that was um that's the crux of what Gunny's mission is for his short time left in the core is to, is to get these men ready. So they don't die. <laughs> right. They kill the enemy and they come home. Well, and really, and, and it's funny that he's having this conversation because by, by the end of this minute, they get a phone call. They're, they're, they're on high alert, the whole battalion. So mm -hmm. they're, they're getting called. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is his, his mission for the short time left that he has in the Marine Corps. No, I had a question. They mentioned Stoney Jackson, but you know, is that Little Mary's husband, Stoney Jackson? That's their platoon yes. sergeant. Yeah, the best goddamn platoon sergeant, two mule. Oh, here we go with this poetic uh <laughs> Yeah, Stoney Jackson was Little Mary's Little Mary's husband, which apparently uh for 
What's going on with you in 30, 40 years? Little Mary apparently seems to have been celibate. Yeah, because she does seem like she's been, uh, you, you know, she's kind of carrying on his legacy yeah. and, and, and all that because he's good for Stoney, man. He, he uh, broke her for other men. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, she just says she's a little younger. She curled Tom Hockway's toes, you know. Well, she said that, but I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, he says she could. So, Stoney Jackson's a real hero of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Chuzu said best goddamn platoon sergeant, two mule, and short prick, piss ant, baby soldier, little fuckers ever went to war with. That also gives credence to your idea that these two were soldiers before they were Marines. Exactly, because he didn't say Marines. He said soldiers. And that I didn't, I, I wrote that down. I'm like, this is not a movie mistake. I think he is specifying, he's making, he's, he's specifically highlighting the difference between Army soldiers and Marine Marines. You know, well, when he, when he tells the story of Heartbreak Ridge later, he, he mentions that as like before Marines or something along those lines. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's actually called back to later. Yeah. He yeah. says we joined the Corps later because not, not knowing this, I didn't actually know this until we started doing this podcast. My father later, you know, kind of said to me, he's like, he goes, no, it was my understanding that they were Army first and then were Marines later because there's, it's like you said, there's a line of dialogue of it. But not not really, you know, I, as many times I've seen this movie, it's a lot of times I've seen the movie, it's like, oh, it's on TBS and I'm like doing stuff around the house. I'm going to leave yeah. it on, but I'm going to watch the scene or, or whatever. And of course, I was, <laughs> I'm a dumb kid. And a, <laughs> as, I've, I've, as I've routinely shown too, I don't hear too good uh, some of the lines of dialogue because I've been getting dialogue wrong this whole no, time. No, certified. See, sir, he's certifiable. Um, <laughs> I, early, I'll just tell Brad earlier when uh, when when Gunny was marching the platoon and he told him to he told Aponte to, to give a cadence and he couldn't remember any. And Stitch says, "Do it." The dude is certifiable. For years, it wasn't until I was having this conversation with Perry that I realized that he wasn't saying. I thought he was saying, do the certifiable, which makes no sense. But I thought he was saying, do the one cadence that we know. Mm. <laughs> because I misheard it. And I, and I also sing wrong <laughs> lyrics, too, when I when I sing songs. So, <laughs> And I was like, are you kidding me? It's, it, it, Perry said something and it clicked. And I went, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> and even later, I kept saying it wrong. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've I've just had it so ingrained in my head that that's that. But anyways, this movie was supposed to be about an army unit because Heartbreak Ridge was predominant was fought with um, the ar army. In fact, when this movie came out, there were a lot. Of, I found some articles from '86, or there were some people in the army that were upset that this was basically stolen valor, that they were giving credit to the Marine Corps for something the army did. You know, that line of dialogue was likely thrown in there, but the movie was originally supposed to be Tom High. Yeah, was, was they were Army there. Rangers, right? Yeah that, yeah. that was the original. Yeah. Well, because that's the, you know, and we'll get into this too. I joke, I have a buddy that was uh, attached to a Ranger unit and or an airborne unit, and he used to joke that this movie is a whole bunch of stolen valor because everything that like Stitch Jones does in, in Grenada was actually done by Rangers or, or, 
or airborne in real life. So not only was Heartbreak Ridge, you know, an army conflict, but so the stuff that is portrayed in Grenada was predominantly, <laughs> uh, you know, done by by the Rangers. And and but again, this movie was was taken to the army, and they said, "Nah, we're not doing this movie." And the Marines said, "We'll do it." <laughs> <laughs> Until they until they heard all the language and they said, oh, yeah, maybe we're going to distance ourselves from this movie for a little while. <laughs> Meanwhile, right? <laughs> the Marines, this movie here is pretty tame by Marine standards. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, I do think it's funny, though, that basically, uh, you know, the, so, so last minute, choose who's talking about their meat cleaver pricks, but now they're 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 short pricks. <laughs> <laughs> So he's well, all over the place with this. Well, he can be, you know, he can still be a meat cleaver, and you know, just, just small, yeah. just a really yeah, small, you know, yeah, yeah, girthy, you know, girthy. Well, maybe he's saying it's not. Maybe it's not the size; it's how you use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so so you know, he says Heartbreak Ridge, which I, I I've never heard of that school. That must be a tough school. I don't know. Little Mary pops up. Your CO called and and actually while they're having this conversation, you hear the phone ring. So it's a little, you know, something something there. Kind of like the band while they're in the office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> music. You're like, oh, it's kind of like the profile dropping his magazine and fucking with his weapon for like two minutes <laughs> prior to him actually misfiring his weapon. So they, you know, there is some continuity. <laughs> as many as continuity mistakes as we found, there's actually a lot of continuity with what's you know they're setting things up. So little Mary says your CO call battalion just went on full alert and they boom, they take off. They, they, they major powers that shit dick called while they were at the bar. That man is the fun police. Do you think major powers called them himself? Like, Hey, uh, it's a CO. Well, no, I would like (laughs) to hear his office. I want to see how that went. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I picture major powers calling. I want to be, um, yes. Hello. This is a, you know, major powers. Um, can I speak to, to, to Tom Highway, please? Yeah. <laughs> can can yes, Tom he, come out to play? Right. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I'm sorry. Were you asleep? Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, why don't you get your fucking ass yeah. up and go to work? <laughs> nah, he was probably nice to little Mary, ma'am. <laughs> but, yes, but. <laughs> There's the Swede, the back of the barracks, just getting all this shit together. Yeah. Well, right before they leave. And little Mary stands there and she says, you know, she's got a concerned look on her face and she's like, says, God bless. Um, you can, I, I mentioned previously about Jill Hollier and I, it's, um, that was like Clint Eastwood's musical protege oh. and she's got three songs in this movie and I can't, I can't identify the song. It plays so faintly in the background, but I hear the end of it and it makes me think that it's, um, cause the way the music swells at the end that it's, um, how it's much I care. It's, it's, uh, yeah. No, I know it's definitely one of hers, but I think it's the movie, uh, the, the movie. I think it's the song, How Much I Care. But I can't, I can't confirm because they never really, it's too low to like use your like, you know, phone to kind of pick out the song. Oh, and, yeah. And there's no, I can't, no way to shazam it. Yeah, exactly. So, so, I mean, it's just a little, another, every time we were in this bar, we hear a Jill Hollier song and that's, Clint Eastwood wrote these songs for her. Um, he composed them. So I just thought that was interesting. And I had re- read previously that she was like a, like a pro- protege of his. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and we were talking a little bit in the green room 
you know, Clint Eastwood is a musician. His son, not the not the actor, but he has a son who's uh, like a touring jazz musician. And they he selects such good music for his uh, for his movies. A lifetime ago, when I was in college, I uh, the first play I directed, it's a Tennessee Williams show called Long Goodbye, and uh, there was like a big emotional scene at the end of it. And we actually selected a song, an original song from a Clint Eastwood movie, uh, A Perfect World. Oh, yeah. Eastwood was in with Kevin Costner. And there's a song by uh, Lenny uh, Nyhaus, who does a lot of music for uh, Eastwood, called uh, Big Franz Baby. And uh, it, it's a brilliant song. And we used it. And uh, my understanding is, like, Eastwood not only, like, selected the guy to do the soundtrack, but actually also contributed to to the music. And it's funny because you don't think of Clint Eastwood as a musician, but he's actually an accomplished musician and, and with great taste in music as well. And a lot of the music in this movie is really good. We'll, we'll, we'll push aside uh, Mario Van Peoples' performances. <laughs> that man had never held a guitar before he did this movie. That's uh, correct. He's, <laughs> he, he lied to Clint Eastwood, said he could play a guitar and took like two quick lessons real quick. <laughs> but he wrote all the songs that he sings. <laughs> Which I don't know what that means, but yeah. <laughs> we haven't had a chance to talk with Mario. I hope we maybe we can do it a little bit in the next minute because I find him fascinating. Oh yeah, uh, he's 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 amazing in this movie, and yeah, he does feature a little more prominently next minute. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just really great music and uh, helps set the scene. And Clint Eastwood is so good at putting together mood, the, the lighting, the, the setups, and um, the, the music especially. He, he's definitely a director who uh, takes that into consideration and uh, it does so much for, for these little moments because this is a, a very tense, sad moment. Although it does, I do get a kick out of this, it just shows how much of a product of his time it is because the reason they she gets to call it the bar because they have to find Highway. So they're going to call the bar because this is <laughs> – Way before pagers and uh, cell phones or anything like that, it's like, well, we, we gotta find people. So they probably had no. All right, uh, these are the these are the bars where the Marines hang out, and uh, let's hope we can get them. <laughs> <laughs> Perry and I used to, you know, we served together, and uh, we we each did this uh, special duty, and it was. Um, we, we worked really weird hours. We went in at like two or three in the morning and then we got off at 1130. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The message and, traffic thing. Yeah. yeah it was some, yeah. It was, and I don't know why we were supporting it, but we, he did it first and I, and then I did it afterwards. Well, <laughs> at the time, it was actually a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, it was cool. And then you got the rest of the day. We, we both actually got the same part-time job a- after work too. Yeah. You know, it, was, it, was, it was pretty, pretty good. <laughs> well, but to kind of relate it back to this story and about, you know, this was the nineties and all that. And I didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have a pager, none of that, but nope. I used to go out of town most weekends to go visit my, my then girlfriend in Chapel Hill. And that was about two and a half, three hours away. And, you know, there's no just shooting back the base. <laughs> I got a call. It was a Saturday night. It was like one, two in the morning three in the morning, whatever. I was already in bed. She had an answer machine, but one of my staff sergeants called and he's left left a message. He's like, I know you're here. I know you can hear me. And (laughs) now I will admit, I heard that message. (laughs) I was not getting out of bed. (laughs) 
And yeah. I believe at the time my girlfriend was like, yeah, no, you, you don't need to, you know, what are they calling you at this time for? They wanted me to come back and do, you know, come into some bullshit work on the weekend. I don't remember what the situation was, but uh, they called Perry and Perry covered for me. And I, I, you know, I talked to him after the fact and he's like, that's all right, brother. I got you. You know, it's no big deal. <laughs> and, and, you know, but I, 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 oh, I, I never heard anything. What are you talking about? Just, what message? I left a message, you know, what, what do you mean? I, what message? I never got a call, you know, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. And, and, uh, and he said to us, oh, I know what you guys are doing. I know. And then, of course, you know, Perry really didn't know. But I th- actually, I think you I think he called me, too, and left the either. I either talked to him, or left a message. And that's yeah, I think they called me. I think they called me if I, if I knew where you were at. Yeah. And then so he, he called and left me a message, too. And because I'm you know, i like, I'm, I'm not getting off. You know? yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they, Monday, they were like, I know you guys are playing a bunch of this Lance Corporal don't know bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what is Lance Corporal don't know. You tell me. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. Because I'm like, I don't know. I didn't hear anything. Perry's like, yeah. I don't know. I don't worry. It was. I just. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Everybody, shit got taken care of, right? Yeah. Everybody. So, right. Out of here. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. but, <laughs> that's the nature of the beast. You know, when, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, now, now it's. You get all sorts of, you know, there's, they know where you are pretty much all time. As I would have to imagine between social media, cell phones, and <laughs> I feel bad for a kid. What I should have called back. I used to have, um, you know, this, this is, this is like 2005, you know, like that, that time frame or something like that. I had two phone numbers. I had, I had a separate line in my house just specific, specifically for dial up, basically. <laughs> so oh, I, yeah. I didn't even have high speed internet or any of that crap then. I don't even know if they had it then, but so I had a separate lines totally for dial up. But every once in a while, I I'd plug a phone in there. I don't know why, or I had a splitter or something. And long story short, I got an email, I mean a, a voicemail from some soldier, and he's like, "Hey, staff sergeant, I'm, I'm going to be late." <laughs> and I'm like, "Son, you're about to be UA." <laughs> I know where this is called, going. You oh. called the wrong goddamn house. <laughs> <laughs> I should have called him back, but by the time I heard the message, I was like, "It's probably too late for you, kid." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably it was probably a long time before you heard that message. <laughs> he didn't have his ass chewed several times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you live and learn. What can you do? Yeah, we transpose that three with that eight. Oops. We're gonna pay for that, kid. <laughs> um, we get a half as quick second of a frantic recon Marines running around looking for gear. Um, but we can talk more about that next minute since there's <laughs> more of that to come. Yeah. Did, is there anything in this particular minute you guys want to cover before we maybe wrap it up and hit the last one? Nah, man. No, I think we got it. I think we yeah. got it. Very little about the movie. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Off road. The whole work. Yeah. <laughs> we actually strode onto the road when we were crossing it. <laughs> like, oh yeah. There's a movie playing in the background. Anyway, back to our bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So Brad, do you want to, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Well, you know, I, I mentioned yesterday, I am the host and co-founder of the Cosmic Geppetto uh, podcast, a pop culture show. I've also delved into the world of minute by minute. Uh, I was a co-host of a, uh, a minute of darkness where we talked about the Bruce Campbell film army of darkness. And I did the same for, Oh, it's a great movie. Uh, and I also did the same. I co-hosted for, um, flash Gordon minute where we talked about the, uh, movie from the eighties, which was, uh, just a really fun movie. And it was a great time doing that. And I produced, uh, escape from New York minute. Uh, which, so, uh, I, I, 
recommend all those shows have wrapped so you can uh, go and subscribe and listen to them uh, start to finish uh you know and geez we're still in the middle of the quarantine so what else what what what, what better do you have to do right. so give them a listen <laughs> Yeah, I'll give I'll give my personal recommendation. I've uh, listened to Mid in the Darkness and I've enjoyed it, and I've uh, recently begun uh, Flash Gordon Minute, and I'm enjoying it so far. <laughs> so uh, uh, it's, it's got well, it's got my seal of approval for whatever that's worth. <laughs> 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 but I'm enjoying it. Well, everybody knows where to find us, Marine Corps Movie Minute. Uh, join us on our Quarter Deck Facebook page. And other than that, let's. Uh, Wrap it up. We'll, we'll we'll finish up the week on Friday and do minute sixty six. Right on, Brad. You're the best podcasting guest that two mule and short prick pissant baby soldier little fuckers ever podcasted with. <laughs>